Our First Lady, amen, Sister Ford ministers the Word of God, amen, on Mother's Day, amen. And so just one more time, amen, can we honor the Lord and honor our First Lady? Can we clap our hands unto the Lord as she comes today? We love you. We appreciate you. we've already done this but you know there's a reason why we continue to praise God there's a reason why we don't just clap our hands like we do when somebody gives a speech or when somebody it's because he is the one true living God he is our Savior he died on a cross for our sins and Lord we worship you and we honor you today we thank you Jesus can I have a little bit more mic please I'm not quite as loud as pastor um, although I am pretty loud. You can be seated for a moment. These are a couple of things that some people have said. A man loves his daughter the most, his wife the best, but his mother the longest. There is only one pretty child in the world, and every mother has it. I'd like to be the ideal mother, said one but I'm too busy raising my kids. <laughs> Fragrances of Chanel number no. five and face powder remind me of my friend's mom's. The smell of bleach reminds me of mine. <laughs> if my son were here, he would testify to that. I wanna say happy Mother's Day to all of the ladies. Whether you're a mother or you're not, you are an influencer to generations. And so there are women in this place that have children. Happy Mother's Day to you. There are women in this place that help to minister to this church body that may not have biological children, but they are spiritual mothers. Yes. Happy Mother's Day to you. Amen. There are people in this place that are dealing with sorrow and loss because their mother is not here or maybe they've lost a child. Happy Mother's Day to you. There are those that have longed for children and for whatever reason, the Lord said, that's not the journey that I have for you, not because I don't love you, but I just have something different for you. Happy Mother's Day to you. Yes. Mother's Day is such a joyful time and yet comes with such a seriousness to so many because it's so easy to look around and to just see the flowers and the decorations and you know and, and, and it's a joyful time and that's good we should celebrate but it's also so important that we recognize that to some it's a hurtful time it's a painful time and just to show them a little extra love I have some things that are going to be passed out one to each lady if you could begin to do that please those of you that only one for each lady over 18 years old please the beauty of being a mom or having a mom is that love is not earned. From the moment a mother lays her eyes on that child, she loves them. In fact, most times it's before. If it's a mother that has physically carried the child, from the moment she feels that first kick, she loves that child. If there are, if it's a mother that has chosen to adopt a child, from the moment that she has chosen to adopt that child, she loves that child before those you even lay eyes on them. That love doesn't come with requirements of the child. As the child grows, yes, there are expectations. But even when those expectations are not met, the love doesn't change. Today, 
we are going to talk about the need to measure up. To measure up. And if, if I could have one of those, please, I forgot to give myself one. <laughs> and ladies, if you, I wanted a pink one, but the pink ones are gone, so. <laughs> I'm asking every lady in this place, and men and young people, yes, this message I believe will be for you as well but I'm going to speak to the ladies today. What I've given you is a bookmark. And in this bookmark, there's a measuring stick, if you look closely. And at the top of that measuring stick, there's a flower that's encased in glass. We'll talk about that. If you could please stand and turn to Ephesians 4, 1 through 15. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one, and ano one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, that's why we baptize in the name of Jesus. But unto every one of us is given a grace according to the, I'm sorry, one God and one Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, he ascended up on high. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, so he went up, what is it but that he also descended first unto the lower parts of the earth? You see, before he went up, he came down. Jesus came down in order to go up. I want you to think about that. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. God wants us to be grounded by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Lord Jesus, we've come here today, God, because we desire more of you. We've come here today, Lord, hungering and thirsting after your righteousness, God. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, God, but your righteousness, Lord, is what will keep us on this path and this journey to truth. I pray that your blessing would be upon this service, Lord. I ask you to anoint me as your servant, God, and anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive, God, that we would take this, Lord, and apply it to our lives when we leave this place today. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
The word measure occurs 69 times in the Bible. Measurement matters. In the word, a few things that were measured were flour. They talked about foods being measured. Cities were measured. Houses of God were measured. Measure of days, how long someone lived. Measurement matters. If people didn't use measurements, this world would be a mess. We used measurements when we were building this building. The chairs that you're sitting on, we had to measure which ones we wanted because there were different ones. The baptismal tank had to be measured. The carpet that's laid had to be measured. Measurements are biblical and very applicable to us today. Some things that we know are measured in the Bible. The ark that Noah told God to, the, the ark that God told Noah to build was measured. He gave him very specific measurements as to how to build that ark. Jacob's love for Rachel was measured by her father, requiring that Jacob would work for seven years to marry his daughter. And if you know the story, he then tricked him, gave him the, the eldest daughter, Leah, and said, ha, huh, just kidding, buddy. You got to work for another seven years to get the one that you really want. Measurements. Jo Job's losses were measured. If we can turn to Job chapter 1, 13 through 21, I'll read this quickly. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside themselves, beside them. Sorry, I don't have mine here. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I am the only one that escaped. So he said, all your servants were just killed. Next, please. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I am the only one that escaped to tell escaped alone to tell you while he was yet speaking there came also another and said the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away yea and slain the servants with the edge of the sword and I only am escaped alone to tell thee while he was yet speaking I mean this is a pretty bad day okay can we just acknowledge that I mean it's like one person's coming and saying okay you just lost all your servants by the way you just lost all your belongings by the way you just lost and and isn't it interesting there's one one measurement one to come and tell him while he was yet speaking there came also another and said thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and they're dead. So now your kids are dead as well. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and he shaved his head and he fell down upon the ground and he worshiped. I don't know that that would be my response. I'm just being honest. If I lost everything in a matter of moments, I don't know what my response would be. I know what it needs to be because there's an example here. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Measurements. We can account for Job's losses because the Bible is very specific to tell us all of the different things that he lost. But that verse 20 and 21, then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return. That's powerful. God allowed Job to descend or to decrease 
But that's not the end of the story. The latter days of Job were also measured. Job 42.12 says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 donkeys. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the, actually, you know what, we'll stop there. Measurement matters. We as people, but especially as women, struggle with needing to measure up. Comparing ourselves among ourselves, which the Bible tells us is not wise to do. Measuring up to society and its views on beauty. We measure each other intentionally or unintentionally. We measure each other by what we drive, by where we live, and this isn't just applicable to women. This is applicable to men as well. We measure each other by what we drive, where we live, the jobs that we have, how good or successful our children are, how good we cook or don't cook. There's this insane pressure to compare ourselves to others, which ultimately is us trying to measure up. We may not admit it, but we do it. Some people choose to measure down. They compare themselves to people that's lives are disastrous, and I'm not saying that to put those people down, but they will look at people that evade responsibility and then begin to justify their own actions based off of that. Well, I'm doing better than so-and-so. It's still a form of measurement. They're still trying to measure. But rather, I encourage us today to measure up. I must measure my life towards heaven and God's plan for my personal life rather than what's around me. We don't need to measure up to other people's standards or success. We need to receive the love of God in order to bloom like this flower that's encased in this glass that will never die into who he has called us to be. It's his love that draws us away from the need for the approval of others. It's his love that draws us away from the grip of sin and even the pleasures of sin that will ultimately destroy our destiny. The pleasures of sin do feel good. They do. But the destruction of our destiny does not. In order for us to stop measuring ourselves according to this world, we must set our eyes and our hearts upon something different. It's easy to say, well, don't compare yourself to other people. But it's natural. It's in us. That's what we do. So how do we get away from that? How do we stop measuring ourselves based off of other people? We go to God and we ask God to show us who we are in him. Every person in this room is different. And you know what? That's beautiful. That's amazing. If there were a bunch of the same person sitting in this congregation, it would be pretty boring. I mean, I'm exciting. So if there were 10 of me, maybe it would be okay. But just kidding. But I'm serious. It would be boring. God gave us different personalities, different callings, different destinies, different giftings, different desires, and that's okay as long as they align with the word of God. It's the struggle comes when I desire something that ultimately will destroy me. 
God loves us, but he hates our sin. The world tries to confuse us into thinking that if we stand for the word of God, then that means that we hate people. How many of you have heard that said? Well, those Christians, they, they, they hate this type of person, or they hate that type of person, or they hate, 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 hate. I love every single person that I encounter in life. Why? Because Jesus does, and I want to be like him. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. By the world judging our Christian walks this way, essentially what they are saying to us, and if that's you, then what you're saying to me, is you have to love me. Everything I do or don't do, otherwise you hate me. Now, in the world, that makes perfect sense. It's all over the news. It's people are standing for it. People are marching for it. But really think about that for a moment. Is there anyone in your life that you love every single thing about? Is there not one thing that you dislike or that you disagree with? My mom, who I loved very much, very much, was a terrible alcoholic. I wanted her to be the best mom that she could to me, and she would have been, except she had an addiction to alcohol. And most times, her addiction ruled her life and impacted everyone around her, including me. I hated her alcoholism, but I loved her. Her addiction to alcohol is essentially what caused her death. She was driving drunk, she went off of a cliff, she lived for five months. She was paralyzed from the waist down with a traumatic brain injury. And then she ultimately died because of her injuries. And do you want to know how I feel almost 19 years later? The same exact way. I loved my mother, but I hated the alcoholism. So no, God doesn't hate us when we sin. He loves us, but he does hate the sin in our lives. You see, we want it all to be one and the same. It's, there's this concept of the unconditional love and how we define that. And yes, I loved my mom unconditionally. Absolutely. I wish she were here today. I wish I could go to that photo booth that we have out there set up for everybody to take pictures and take a picture with her. But I can't because the sin in her life ultimately destroyed her. And I still hate that sin. And so that same way, God loves me. He loves you. But when you feel God pulling you away from things, whatever, and I'm not here to point fingers. I'm not here to list different sins in any of your lives. That's between you and God. And if you don't know what sin is, then I encourage you to ask. Right. Ask God. Because you know what? Again, this isn't a book of rules. It's not a way. We're not measuring ourselves. Well, God will only love me if I do this. No, God loves us no matter what. His love never changes. His love is what took him to the cross for you and I. But the sin in our lives is what ultimately separates us from God, not because God doesn't love us, but the same way that the alcoholism in my mother's life has separated her from me and from my family. There are repercussions and there are things that God desires 
to do in, in your life and in my life. But if we don't turn from that sin, then ultimately he separate, it separates us from him. I make poor choices. I get angry. I say things that I shouldn't. There's times that the Lord has told me to do something and I have disobeyed. And he hates that. He hates that in my life when I sin against him the same way he does anyone else. Just because I'm Sister Ford doesn't make me, I, I'm not on this pedestal where everything I do, God is happy with. No, if I make a mistake, if I spend all my days measuring myself to another pastor's wife, let me just be real. If I, I'm a pastor's wife and, and I look around and I see other pastor's wives and sometimes it's, it's hard to not go, wow, I, I, I wish I could just do that the way that she does. Maybe if I, maybe if I, maybe if I did a little bit more of that, then, then people would feel, that's foolishness. I'm not called to be her. I'm called to be me. So instead of spending the time measuring myself up to someone else, it's my responsibility to immerse myself in the word and the love and the truth of God and to say, Lord, I may not understand everything that you have for my life. I really may not fully understand how to blossom into this flower that you've called me to be. There was a big joke in our home when our son was small. He and, he and my husband would wrestle. And sometimes when Malachi was seven, eight years old, he'd come up and he'd try to wrestle me. And I would say, oh, no, 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 no. Mommy is a delicate flower. Now, little does he know, mommy used to throw down on the streets, okay? So, yes, that may be true. But I, that was, you know, and, and they would kind of laugh because they knew that. But that was the big joke was, I'm a delicate flower. You can't treat mommy that mommy doesn't arm wrestle. I'm a delicate flower. So I want today, as you look at this, and that doesn't make me weak, by the way, in case you were wondering. But what that is, is that is my representation of the fact that, God, I, I want to bloom in you. I want to be, God, who you have called me to be. Ladies, you are all so beautiful. I look across this congregation, and I see, I, I see so many different faces and the beauty that resides from your face. It's powerful. You have a gift. You are able to go out and to be a light into this dark world. But the only way that that can happen is if we measure ourselves according to his love for us right. and to who he's called us to be. When Jesus went up on that cross and nails were driven into his hands and feet, that was out of his love for you and I. He didn't have to do that. He truly didn't. He was God. He chose to do that, to be the spotless lamb that could take away the sins of the world. I'm going to read part of the commentary from Ephesians 4, what we first read. And I just want you that we should grow up into Christ in all things. God wants you and I to grow up. There comes a point in our walks with God. Yes, we come into this place and we're all at different places of growth. The same way we have infants in this congregation and we have 13-year-old children. There's different phases of growth, but as long as we're all growing in God, that's what's important. Into Christ, so as to be more deeply rooted in him. In all things, 
in, in knowledge, love, faith, and all the parts of the new man, we should grow up towards maturity, which is opposed to being children. If you have a 40-year-old son and he's still, you know, saying mama and dada and he's asking you to change his diaper, well, you know, and I'm not talking about if there's someone with disabilities, okay? I'm talking about a 40-year-old, 40-capable man that wants mommy to feed him. That's a problem, yes. okay? We would all agree that that individual's growth is stunted. At 40 years old, they should be working. They should be fully able to dress themselves, take care of themselves. The more that we grow into an acquaintance with Christ, faith in him, love to him, and dependence upon him, the more we shall flourish in every grace. He is the head that we should thus grow, that we may thereby honor our head. The Christian's growth tend to the glory of Christ. We talked about the glory of God last week. Sorry. We should be assisting and helpful to one another. I want you to look around. Look around. We should not be measuring other people up according to our standards. If I come to you and I say, well, you should really be doing this and this and this and this and this, well, do you think that they're going to want to come back? <laughs> I mean, really. But really, it's a matter of us loving one another and helping one another. And yes, yes, sometimes I do need somebody to get in my face. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes if I'm walking around with my head down low and I'm really having a hard time, I, I, I will share this. When I was getting married, the day of my wedding, I was having a really bad day. It was a beautiful day, but I was having a really bad day because my mom wasn't there. And my best friend gave me this beautiful book in this basket, and she gave me all these gifts. And in it, she gave me something of my mom's, and she wrote in this book all about how my mom would have loved to have been there. And I still, it just, I was having a hard time. And somebody had to say to me, Listen, I know you miss your mom, but this is your wedding day. Your mother would not want you to be upset. And I needed that in my life. So sometimes that is the way that we have to encourage each other. We have to tell them, okay, snap out of it. You've been walking with your head hanging down low. You, you, you've got to find a way to receive the joy of the Lord. Let me help you. Can I pray for you? Is there something that I can, let me worship with you at the altar. Amen. We should be assisting and helpful to one another as members of the same body. Here the apostle makes a comparison between the natural body and Christ's mystical body, that is the body of Christ, which is the head. He observes that there must be communion and mutual communication of the members of the body among themselves in order to their growth and improvement. So there must be mutual love and unity together with the proper fruits of these, and I talked about that a while ago, the fruit of the spirit is very, very important among Christians in order to their spiritual improvement and growth in grace. From whom says ye, that is from Christ their head who conveys influence and nourishment to every particular member, the whole body of Christians fitly joined together and compacted, everyone in his proper place and station. If there's one thing that I can say to all of the ladies, you have a place here. Your place is different than my place. It's different than the person next to you's place. But you have a place here. Don't just come here and just show up. Come here and seek after God and hunger for more of him. God, how can I serve you? 
How can I, what can I do here, Lord, in your house to serve you? And, and that's not always necessarily a role. Sometimes it's just an encouraging word. If you purpose it within yourself to uplift one another and to encourage one another, do you know what the difference that would make? Do you know how mean and cold this world is sometimes? This world can beat us up. We can go throughout our week at work and different places, and it's like people, they're measuring us up. They're putting us down to lift themselves up. They're on an ego trip, so they want to make you feel stupid. They talk down to you. All this, all week long, you're dealing with this. Who wants to come into the house of God and all receive right. all that? Not me. That's right. So how do we change? And, and, and let me say that. We don't have that going on that I know of. Right. But you know what? This is something that we have to be intentional about. We have to intentionally love God and love one another the way that God intends for us to. Measuring requires us to descend, to decrease, to die out. And as we do that, he can grow us into who he desires us to be. When you take this bookmark home, ladies, I want you to look at this flower encased in glass, and I pray that you realize your value. You are precious. You matter. You are important in the eyes and the plans of God. I pray that this would encourage you to take your eyes off of the world around you and to keep your eyes set upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is before you. I'm going to ask every lady to come to the front. I know, it might be a little uncomfortable. Sorry, not sorry. Every lady, and I'm asking you to bring your bookmark and come to the front. And I want you to look at that flower that's encased in that glass. You know, for, for, for ladies, the measurement the comparing starts very early on. It starts when we are little girls. And it goes throughout our lives, whether we realize it or not. And what it does is it, it, it can shape our identity or our thoughts of ourselves. And it also can shape the way that we look at other people. And we don't mean to. We, we don't mean to measure other people up and to put them down to uplift ourselves. But sometimes it, it happens because it's what this world has taught us to do. But I'm going to pray, and I'm asking those that are out in the congregation, if you would stretch your hands towards all of these ladies. I am asking that each and every one of you, if you know who you are in God, that's awesome. Continue on and walk in that. If you struggle with your own identity and you're unsure of who it is that God has called you to be or what it is that God wants you to do and his destiny for your life, then I encourage you when you are reading a book and you have your bookmark in there to look at that and to say, God, help me to bloom. Help me, help my life, God, to bloom into who and what you have placed me on this earth to be. Because the thing is, is that no matter what, everyone go like this. As long as you have breath, you have destiny. And the enemy and sin and life 
sometimes can almost steal that breath out of us. No, we may not physically die, but sometimes we can walk so wounded because we've just been so beat down. And I'm asking for God to just breathe refreshing into all of the ladies in this place today. God, right now, Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you would do just that, God. That your Holy Spirit, Lord God, would just breathe in this place right now, Lord God. And Jesus, that you would help every woman in this place, Lord God, to be able to know who she is, Lord God. The dreams, the talents, the things that you've placed within her, Lord God, to, for her to rise above what could have been her identity before, Lord God, and to claim and to hold on to the identity of you, Lord Jesus. God, you have called them, Lord Jesus, for your holy purpose, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would help us to love you, God, and to love ourselves the way that you love us, God. And in turn, as we receive your love, God, you will help us to love others, Lord Jesus. Help us not to measure ourselves based off of Hollywood or the world's standards or even family or friends and their judgments, God, but help us, Lord, to measure ourselves, Lord God, up towards heaven, God, to measure up, Lord Jesus, to who you want us to be, Lord God. Sometimes, God, we are going to have to find that place of humility, that place of repentance, Lord God, so that we can die out, Lord Jesus, to this flesh, Lord God, and receive what it is that you want us to receive of your spirit, Lord God. I speak peace over every one of their minds in the name of Jesus. I speak joy right now over every one of their minds, Lord Jesus. I speak victory, God, into their situations, Lord God. I speak healing into every sickness in the name of Jesus. I declare blessings and favor, Lord God, and open doors, Lord Jesus, in their lives, God. Help them to overcome sin in their lives, Lord Jesus. You don't it's not your intention for us to do that alone you lord god will be the one god to take us by the hand it's our love for you lord jesus that draws us away from the need to measure the need god for sin the pleasures of sin lord god and i pray lord jesus that you would help us to love one another i'm gonna ask that you ladies right now would find someone to pray for that you don't know or that you're not really acquainted with I know it's a little uncomfortable. But you know, sometimes it's easy for us to go to the people that we know. But sometimes we just need to pray for one another and not know anything. Because we're praying to the one God who knows it all. So I want you to pray right now for that sister. I want you to pray for the needs in their life. You may not know. That's okay. God does. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would touch my sister. I pray, God, that you would help her, Lord Jesus, on this journey. Let her know that she's not alone, God. Let her know, Lord Jesus, that your plans for her are good. In the name of Jesus. That's it, ladies. Pray for one another. Put your hand on that sister's back and pray for them the way that you would want them to pray for you.